0: All right, greetings, dear friends. It's good to be with you once again today and uh, just greet you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, <clears throat> this is our Wednesday uh, Bible class, uh, but we're dealing with the same thing uh, I am in, in, in the Wednesday class uh, and in some of the Sunday morning sessions also. And it's the theme that, we're, that I'm following through with the reality of our being in Christ. And if you were with us this past uh, Sunday morning, uh, I was dealing with that very thing and uh, bringing our relationship, the, 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 the term in Christ, uh, the reality of our being in Christ. But what I want to do uh is focus upon upon the person, and uh let me just read first here one of the verses we've been using because there's i don't know there's two hundred or more references to our being in Christ, where the word in Christ is used are if the word in christ is not used then it's in him or in whom or in the beloved and in every case it is speaking of a person in him not being in christ is not you and i being some place where christ is there also and we're there along with him no it's much more it's much more person centered than than that christ himself is the place that he prepared for us and we read of that in john 14 now we've talked about this for months if not years but from time to time the lord just focuses upon a reality in a very personal way so that it's not simply a reality concerning Christ, the reality is seen to be Christ Himself. And that's what we're talking about just now in these various sessions because we've looked at many things that become a reality to you and I. For instance, if we're in Christ then, then a reality of our being in Christ, one of, let me put it this way, one of the realities of our being in Christ is that if we are in Christ then wherever we are on the face of the earth, uh, wherever we are geographically, wherever we are in a location, whether I'm in one state, or another state, whether I'm in one country or another country, whether I'm in this building or whether I'm out out of this building, out there in the yard, wherever I am physically, wherever I am on earth, I am there in the much greater reality of Christ Himself. I am there in Christ. Me leaving this building doesn't take me out of Christ. I, leave, I get out of the building but I was in Christ before I came to this building, and I'm in Christ while I'm in this building, and I'm in Christ when I leave this building, because the term in Christ is actually speaking of our union with Him. Now we've looked at that union again and again and again, particularly in John 14, and then throughout all of the epistles of Paul. But I'm just constrained of the Lord dealing with that reality of our being in Christ. Not just the reality that we are in Christ. If we are born from above, we are in Christ. Jesus says in John 14. Uh he says uh in verse 20 in that day speaking of the day uh speaking uh Speaking of the day that Christ said, I will come uh, and I will take my abode in you. Uh, and we know that that took place on the day of Pentecost. And the day of Pentecost is not a point in history some 2,000 years ago. The day of Pentecost is that which is completely and totally ultimately fulfilled in Christ. And so the day of Pentecost is not, dear friends, a, a historical uh, thing. Not really. It is an ever-ongoing reality. Christ just took it right into Himself. He fulfilled not only, uh, not only Passover, He took the cross right into Himself. Uh, and, and not only Pentecost, it is He who comes and He lives in us by His eternal Spirit. And the same thing with the gathering, the gathering together unto Him in the Feast of Tabernacles, sweetheart. Here we read in 2 Corinthians, the 5th chapter, verse 17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And, hon, this is one of the, this, what I just read to you is what the Feast of Tabernacles in its threefold meaning, it's the blowing of the trumpets, the day of atonement, and the boobs, the feast of tabernacles, is pointing to the reality in Christ that I just read to you here in Second Corinthians, the fifth chapter, verse 17. Therefore, if any man, in other words, whosoever, whosoever be in Christ, He is a new creation. Old things, that are things that came before, the things of the testimony, the things of the type, the things of the shadows, old things are passed away. All that said He is to come has passed away because He is now come. And that's what this verse says. Old things are passed away and the King James says, "Behold, all things are become new, but the much better translation and the translation that is found in all of the earlier uh, uh, manuscripts simply says it this way: Behold the new is come and in, and in some of your revised versions, you'll find that it's, that, that is exactly what it says not Not He's still coming. See, see, Pentecost time, when Christ came and indwelt those who were waiting there on Him according to His instructions. His coming at Pentecost did not speak of something that was yet to come. It was a fulfillment of what had been spoken throughout the Old Testament by Old Testament prophets, and now come to be fulfilled in Christ. And not only what the Old Testament prophets said, but what Jesus promised His disciples throughout all of His dealings with them, and particularly that's what is is recorded in the book of John, in the book of John, and in John 14, but in the whole book of John the point being, Han, that Christ is now come and He now dwells in you, and if any man be in Christ, in that union with Christ, having Christ dwelling in you by His eternal Spirit, then you are a new creation. You're, you're part of that new creation in Christ Jesus where the old is done away, why? Because even everything that spoke of Him is now fulfilled. Behold, the new is come. So we were looking at this on, uh, on Sunday, or we were going to, and one of the things I was talking about on Sunday is that the substance of the new creation, which we've just read here, the substance of the new creation is Christ. The new creation, Han, must be understood to be one new man. Not many new men, Yes, there are many in Christ, but though the body of Christ is many, God having set each one in the body, God having drawn by His Spirit each one to the person of His Son, the Son dwelling in each believer by one Spirit, so that every believer has that one Spirit, the Spirit of Christ. He that is joined to the Lord is one Spirit, the Spirit of Christ. If any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. In in Romans we read that, and, and throughout the epistles of Paul. So the whole point is, And the whole foundation of our being in Christ is Christ in you. So once again, the substance of the new creation is not how many believers are in Christ. The substance of the new creation is this great reality that no matter how many believers are making up at this particular time, The body of Christ. For it's an ever ongoing new birth, you know. People are somewhere on this in planet Earth right now, hon, while I'm talking, somewhere someone is being born from above. And immediately they become part of a new creation in Christ Jesus. Unfortunately, most of them are not really told that from the beginning. And they should be, they should be, because the greatness of our salvation, which I'm going to read something to you right in in a moment here concerning that, is Christ Himself. So once again, the substance of the new creation which we are in Christ Jesus, if any man be in Christ, a new creation, and the substance of that, hon, again, I'm repeating, is Christ, the one new man. And I have to say it again. I want you to mark this down. The new creation is not many new men. It is one new man. It is Christ in you and it is you in Christ. We are one body, of one head, having as our very life one spirit, and that spirit is Christ. Now, just hold that thought and let me read what I've just said to you. Let me read it to you in Paul's letter. Ephesians, chapter 4, what I just said to you. Now I'm going to change to my reading glasses here. Ephesians 4, verse 4. Look at this. Mark it down, then find it. Look at it. Ephesians 4, verse 4. There is one body and one spirit, even as you are called in one expectation of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God who is Father of all, who is above all, through all, and in you all. To every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ, Christ Himself being the measure and the full measure, because God's grace has no natural measure. The grace of God, listen to me, the grace of God is not numbered by, not measured by, how many believers since the first, since the day of Pentecost was fulfilled in Christ, the measure of God's grace is not how many believers have come to Christ in the last 2,000 some odd years. The grace of God is so great someone could say that trillions and trillions have come to the Lord. Well, If trillions have come to the Lord, that is tremendous and it shall continue on. But that's not the measure of grace. The measure of grace is the one to whom we have come. The measure of grace is the one whose salvation is. The one who constitutes our salvation. The one who is the very person and spirit of our salvation. The measure of grace is Christ time. Christ in you. Because grace implies that which is given of God. The gift that is given of God. The gift that is given of God is Christ Himself. And in Him is the measure of grace. In Him is the measure of salvation. In Him is the measure of eternity. In Him is the measure of God's love. In Him, you'd read Ezekiel, you'd see the, you would see the house of God being measured and and much more as well by the man with the line. And you'd come to find that Christ Himself is the measure of our salvation. Christ Himself is the measure of the house of God, the household of God. Christ Himself, hon, is the fullness that filleth, fullness that filleth. For unto him is given to be head over all, over all, to the church which is his body, the fullness of him who filleth all in all. There's no measure to that. Abraham, lift up your eyes. Look. Because we're talking about the seed, which is the Son, who is our salvation. Lift up your eyes. Well, first he was told to lift up his eyes and look. To the east, north, west, look. And if you can count the dust of the ground, the sand on the sea, the dirt, so is the greatness of my seed. There's, there is not a human seed on the face of the life in, including Israel in the flesh that can possibly fulfill that, hon. We're talking about dust. I mean there's probably not even a numerical there's probably not a numerical, a a number. I mean, how far would that go? To the uh, the hundreds, the thousands, the millions, the billions, the trillions, the in and it just keeps on going on. But nobody could number that. Because it isn't talking about how many. It's talking about If you can number the stars, then you can measure the greatness of the seed. But you see, in the first place, you can't do the one. And the other place, the seed is not measurable. Not by heaven, the heavens, and not by the earth. The full measure of our salvation, the completeness of it, and the perfection of it. Oh Lord, hon, we need, we must get a hold of this, is the person who lives in us, whose body we are, whose spirit we have, in whose soul he dwells. That's our union with him. That's the reality Of our being in Christ. Not being close to Him, not being in the same city where He's living. We are the city where He's living. (laughs) And the creation. We are the creation that God has created in Christ. Again, Ephesians 2. I was in Ephesians 4. And the result of Ephesians 2 and the teaching in the second chapter of Ephesians. Oh my. You, you need to sit down and read that. You need to sit down. You need to sit down right away and read chapter 2 of Ephesians from verse 1 right on through verse 22. Ephesians 2 1 through 22. You need, you need to read that. Because. The result of that is chapter 4. Chapter 4. My, my. But here in chapter 2, verse 10, we see something said where we're reading 2 Corinthians 5, 17. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things passed away. Behold, what a word, behold. It means, look at me, behold. The Lord uses this again, or it's written of the Lord saying this again by John in the letter called the book of Revelation, uh, along about verse 18 I think it is, behold, when the Lord says, behold, look at me. I am alive forevermore, and I hold the keys to death, to hell. Oh, I am victorious over it all. Behold me. Well, that's, that's the same thing. Behold, the new is come. I wish believers could get a hold Really, get a hold as John actually presents it, but it has been so taken, so much that John presents in the Revelation of Jesus Christ, that letter called the Revelation of Jesus Christ. So much has been, uh, has been taken out of context, taught out of context. Hun, the one John saw in that letter was the one who was dwelling in John, the one who was revealed in John, and the one of whom John speaks in his gospel, and particularly as being in us in his epistles, in absolute harmony with what Paul says, in all of his epistles. If you and I could just get a hold of the reality that this one who is the sum total and substance of that letter, the revelation of Jesus Christ, the I am that I am, the alpha, the omega, the beginning, the end, the first, the last. If we could just see and realize that's the one who lives in you that's the one in whom you dwell as a new creation, as the new creation of the new man himself, as the body of the new man himself. So verse 10, I mean it's, it's, it's everywhere. Verse 10 of Ephesians 2, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus. And, and the rest of this chapter tells how that takes place, and what the result of it is, the last Verse, the last sentence in that chapter says, In whom ye also are builded together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. Now why would it say that? Because in verse 18 it says, For through Him, Christ, we both have access by one Spirit unto the Father. The last verse, 22, says, In whom, Christ, in whom, Because the foundation of that building. Of that household. Is Christ himself. The son of it is Christ himself. The seed of it is Christ himself. My word. In whom ye also are builded together. For a habitation of God. Through the spirit. Now. What I'm talking about is what we've gone over, I don't even know how many times throughout the years, regardless of whether I'm setting up here or one of our other brethren are setting setting up here, we all are saying the same thing with regard to our being in Christ, though, you know, it's presented in many different ways and from many different standpoints. Why? Well, because it's such a great salvation. But I'll tell you, whoever presents it out from this place Christ is always the sum total and center and substance of it and i want you to look at him that's what we're just looking at right now because he is he is the reality of the union that we have with the father he is the reality of and the substance of the salvation that is given to us because it's all in and by and through Him. There's not a good English definition for it. I come at it from a, a lot of different directions, and I'm never satisfied with the way that I actually get it said. But I did want to read something to you here that's right along with it. And it's in, it's in just a little publication I picked up uh, this morning, Actually, and it was published years ago. It's called Great Salvation. Now we have a large study manual called Great Salvation, but this is this is just a little, this, this probably is the result of one or two Bible, one or two uh, 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 meetings, you know, one or two sharing sessions, one or two teaching sessions. I'll get it said in a minute. Uh, And I was just glancing at it. And let let me just read it to you because it's what I'm trying to say just now. And I said here, in the last lessons we looked at three types of greatness in the testimony, that is, in the Old Testament, and how they are fulfilled in Christ. Now, to do that, all of these have to come to the cross. All of these types, all of these shadows, have to come to the cross. And we'll deal with that later on, I'm saying here, wherever this was done. Now, I want to talk to you about the greatness of salvation. Hebrews 2, Hebrews chapter 2, 1 through 4. Therefore, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard. That's speaking of the... Of, of, in the Old Testament. It's speaking of, of the Old Testament Scriptures, which we have as the Old Testament Scriptures. Lest at any time we should let them slip. For if the word spoken by angels were steadfast, and every transgression and disobedient received a just recompense of reward, how shall we escape? If we neglect so great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord, and was confirmed unto us by them that heard Him. God also bearing them witness, both with signs and wonders, with diverse miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit, according to His own will. There is a word here that stands out to us with regard to salvation. And it's this word, great, great, Great salvation, great salvation. When the Lord begins to stir me up, I'm I'm just reading this. When the Lord begins to stir me up in the search, I usually will go and look up references where that particular term that keeps, by which the Lord keeps dealing with me in the Scripture, uh where that term is used, and also get the definitions. And uh, this is very interesting because the definition of the word great is something that is much more, or exceedingly, or abundantly above. Now that probably come out of a Vines translation. The word great is something that is much more, are exceedingly or abundantly. Well, much more than what? Where's the comparison? Well, the whole comparison of the letter, the whole comparison of the letter to the Hebrews is between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. It's between what spoke of Christ and Christ Himself. Now, you understand what I'm saying here? The whole the the whole comparison uh, of this great salvation uh that is set forth in this letter to the Hebrews. The, the, the thing that is continues to be one compared to another, or one held up as being impossible to compare to another, in the in 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 the book of Hebrews, as you go to the book of Hebrews. It's always a bringing of the first over to be either completely done away or fulfilled or made perfect in the second. The first done away, the second established. The old giving away to the new, Moses giving away to Christ, the old covenant replaced by the new covenant, old uh old uh priesthood to a new high priest that is not even from the order cannot be compared to Aaron because it's not of the order of Aaron but of the order of Melchizedek which is the order of an endless life now that's what you see in the book of Hebrews and so that's what I'm the reason I said what I'm saying here where's the comparison well the whole thing the whole comparison of the letter to the Hebrews is between Old Covenant and New Covenant. It's between what spoke of Christ and Christ Himself. What was to come and who did come. Something going to come, something that is now come. That's what the Hebrew writer does. He brings one right over to the other. The letter of Hebrews is bringing us from what we call the testimony to the indwelling living witness who is Christ Himself. It's bringing us from the type to the fulfillment. It's bringing us from an understanding of God in relation to Adam and Noah from an understanding of God given in Abraham and Isaac. Bringing us from an understanding of God given in Israel to an understanding of God made perfect in His Son. We read that in Hebrews 1, chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. We read that. Here's how God hath spoken. But in the end of those days, now He hath spoken in Son. Everything, well, I won't stay with that, but that's what I'm talking about here, to an understanding of God made perfect in His Son. Hon, what God have spoken in His Son is not pointing in to something yet to come. The Son is the now come of it. The Scriptures declare that. Jesus is not a pattern of a man yet to come. He's the man. The new man. The pattern is found in the Old Testament. It's not found in the new. The whole of the thing is found in the new and it's found there in Christ. None of these things of the testimony could perfectly represent God's thought. They could in and of themselves at a point in time completely represent God's thought concerning for instance mankind with adam and noah but god's thought god's thought is only perfectly represented in the new creation in christ now i'm i'm using those two words against each other completely and perfectly uh but it's one thing to have something completely done if it is referring to that one thing For instance the flood was completely done and had a complete uh had a complete result as far as Water coming up on the earth and drowning everything, you, you know destroying the whole world. So it was a complete thing. It, 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 but it spoke of something beyond itself that is perfect as to God's thought, concerning the ending of a creation that didn't happen by water that happened at the cross now that's what I'm saying here and I'm not trying to really uh, just using these two terms in that one can be completely done completely you know uh, David was was completely set up on the throne so was Solomon he was he was completely the ruler in Israel at that time as far as mankind is concerned, as far as the type and shadow is concerned, it was complete. But you see, the reality of that comes to a perfection. Christ makes it perfect. He makes it perfect. Yes, He makes it complete. He's the completeness of it. And we'll use that term here over and over again. But the term perfect, Is applicable as well. Perfect. There isn't going to be something coming after Christ. He is come. And everything we have is in Him eternal. Oh, darling. I don't know how long I'll live in this body. It doesn't make any difference if I lived 120 years or 50 years or 200 years. What is that to eternity which can't even be measured in time? Our life is eternal. And there may be, there may be things that come and go. But the one thing who is come and all that is come in him is come and will never go. Why? Because it's eternal. Dwelling in Christ is dwelling in eternity. Get a hold of that. Our life is the eternal one himself living in us I don't know where I can even read these little two or three pages here, but it comes down, it comes down to this. Jesus fills God's total thought for humanity. Now, wait a minute. Humanity can't fill God's total thought for humanity. So, God's total thought for humanity is not something that humanity Is going to become. Or something that humanity is going to be able to do. No. God's total thought for humanity. Is Christ. Christ. He's the perfect man. I'm dead. And yet. Much more. Yeah. Even that. Much more. I am dead. Yet much more. Christ is my life. Much more, see, see, Christ is not the salvage of the old. Much more, Christ Himself is the new. He, de- he doesn't make our soul better, He gives our soul. A life, the life, that is spirit, God's spirit, the spirit of Christ. Get with me on this. Great salvation, the greatness of it is Christ. New creation, the newness of it is Christ. Reality of being in Christ. The reality is Christ Himself. He makes it real. So I say again, Jesus fulfills God's total thought for humanity. Yes, but, but much more, much more. God's full thought for Adam is fulfilled in Christ, but over and above that, Here in Christ is a new man who is much more than Adam was ever, was ever in his finest hour, because the new man is born from above. This one is possessed of the Spirit of the ever-living God, because this one is the very Spirit of the ever-living God. Adam never, never was, never. Adam was made a living soul, but there's no indication with regard to Adam that he was ever possessed of the eternal Spirit of God. But this new man is the Spirit of God indwelling his own body a body which is given to him of God. For no man cometh to the Lord, Jesus says, but by the Father. And Paul speaks that those that are set in the body are set there by the Spirit of God Himself according to His will. You can't run and jump into Christ. You are brought there by the Spirit of God through new birth, through baptism, through baptism, through a work of the Spirit and can be called who hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. It's a work of the Spirit, not by might, not by power, as they were talking to Zerubbabel, who was rebuilding the temple, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. Oh, hallelujah, hon. Well, The new man, the new creation. So you see the old that is the type and the shadow. Hold that up one more time for me. Okay. That's time gone by, isn't it? Yes. Okay. Rabin is here en- enabling, enabling us to have this teaching session this afternoon, and so he is also keeping the time on it. <laughs> the new man and the new creation. Well, the new creation is the body of the new man, hon. See, also you can bring right into that new creation a new heaven and a new earth. New Heaven and new Earth Christ is the substance of new heaven and new earth see hunt everything God did in this natural earth out here that I can look through these doors over here and see you know the greenness of it and whatnot even though we're in the winter time here and everything he created he created nothing was created but by His Word, and that Word, and John says it, that Word came to earth, made flesh, it's Christ. It's Christ. Christ being the power of God's Word, and the Word of God's power. So everything God made, He made by His Word, His eternal Word. But what I'm telling you, The new creation is not made up of things that God made, and now those things represent Christ. That's the first creation. The new creation is Christ. We are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus. Our life, we've been talking about this even on monthly CDs and in other teaching uh, formats. Our life is not something that Christ has given us. Our life is that which God hath given us, but what God hath given us is Christ himself. Christ himself lives in those who have life, in those who are born from above. My, my. So you see, the old is fulfilled, but much more than fulfilled. I mean, what is given as the testimony is completely fulfilled, but it goes beyond fulfilling. It goes beyond fulfilling what the prophet said though what the prophet said comes to be fulfilled, but the fulfillment of what the prophet said is greater than the prophet's. We have a more sure word of prophecy. The word we have is the word that makes what the prophet said more certain, because the word we have is not pointing to the future, but is standing up as the living witness of what has been said in times past, representing himself now as that which is come, that which is finished, and that which is perfect. Hun, when you read those words in, in in the Book of Revelation, Alpha Omega, beginning, end, first, last. Hun, He's saying, I'm perfect. I'm not just the fulfillment of a prophecy. I am the perfect Word. I am the perfect understanding. I am the perfection of all that God, my Father, hath hath spoken, hath desired, and hath done. Father, speaking to the Father, He says, it is finished, the work that Thou hast given me to do. From when? From before the foundation of the work. It is finished. My Lord, hon. My Lord. So, so, this new man, the oldest fulfilled, but more than fulfilled, he surpasses abundantly above and beyond. Paul says that you might be able to comprehend with all saints, the breadth, the length, the depth, the height, <laughs> to know the love of Christ, which patheth knowledge that you might be filled with the fullness of God. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. Unto him be glory in the church by Jesus Christ throughout all ages, world, age without end. That's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about right here the reality of. Of the one in whom we dwell through the miraculous work of God, which is that one dwelling in us. There's nothing greater than this, darling. God told Moses, look at all that I've done for him. I've shown Israel all of this. And he, and he went through everything, including the destruction of Egypt and the coming across, and the parting of the waters and the manna. And he went through all of these things, every one of them, which was just phenomenal. I mean, absolutely miraculous in their, in themselves, really. And, but then he tells Moses, I've show, done all of that. And yet their heart is far from me. What he was after all the time, it was their heart. Their heart. That that heart may be changed. That he was after their heart. He put them under the law because, he, because they wouldn't give him, they wouldn't obey in their heart. The salvation to which He has brought us is not based upon things that He has done. Great things. Great things. I mean, you you can't even imagine things like them. But the Hebrew writer in Hebrews 12. Talks about all of those things, sums them all up in, in a mountain, Sinai. And in Hebrews 12 18, it says, But that's not what you've come to. I mean, the glory of God that was seen there is not the glory that you've come to. All that was said there, all that they saw, and it goes on and on, and on but that's not what you've come to. And all of those things, huns, in and of themselves were complete works of God, in and of themselves. They established what they were supposed to establish, which was a testimony of something yet to come. And God didn't halfway do it. But that which was yet to come, though it was certainly fulfilled, the expectation of it fulfilled, But more than that, Christ Himself is all of that that spoke of Him made perfect. Nothing, nothing. It's not a type and shadow of anything. Nothing can come after it. It is perfect. We may be our lifetime on earth, and we may be throughout all of eternity. I expect that we will be in our very soul, because God is after the heart in the first place. Turn to know Him, to fellowship Him, to be in the fellowship of Him forever and beyond what forever can even suggest in the Alpha and the Omega. My Lord, hon. My Lord, how great a salvation! How great a salvation! This one who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above, he made a man You couldn't even think of. He brings forth a salvation in Christ that we couldn't even comprehend. Who could comprehend it? It was talked about, talked about, pointed to in the testimony, prophesied of. But there was no comprehension of it. They could look at a rock and imagine something about it. Or look at a tent and make it say, yes, God is in our midst. But, Hun, now, so you're come to Mount Zion. Now in Christ, it's not a tent. Here, it's the eternal spirit of the ever-living God. It is Jesus Christ, the Lord, the Son, dwelling in you. And too many of us don't comprehend that either. And yet, we are given in new birth the spirit of comprehension, the spirit of discernment, the spirit of truth. If we would but turn our heart, know Him. What a great salvation, huh? What a great salvation. (laughs) It's now in Christ, not in a tent. And yet, how many are still wanting to go out and look at a tent. I don't mean a natural tent, I mean something made by man. Because you see, we can't see this great salvation with the natural eyes. We see the greatness of this salvation as God reveals His Son and shows Him to be the foundation of it, the headstone of it, the cornerstone of it, the substance of every stone that is placed in it of God, the substance of that stone is Christ. And it is that one, that one salvation, that one glory, that one faith, that one Son, that the Father desires to show us, and to show us with that His love, His fullness, the new creation, the new creation. And then we begin to walk in a different comprehension together. And then we begin to realize that this new man is much more, much more exceedingly abundantly above. Paul says that you might walk the length, the breadth, the depth, the height, that you might know the fullness. Blessed be the Lamb of God. Now, unto him who is able, according to the power that worketh in you. And that's the eternal spirit. So, I'm stopping. My whole heart and soul concerning this right now in these days, and it really hit me, oh, I don't know, last week. Of all of the realities that we find in Christ, He is the substance of all reality. He's the reality. The reality of our being in Christ is the person in whom we dwell (laughs) and the person who dwells in us. And we must begin to look at our salvation in the person, in the face in the glory of that One. Blessed be the Lamb of the Living God. Well, thank you so much for being with us in all of our presentations here, whether they're on, you know, on the on the web as, as what you're seeing now, or one of the podcasts. However, It is presented to you. It is our joy to do so. And if we can be of any help concerning anything with regard to our life in Christ, please let us know. Please let us know. And also we appreciate so very much, so very much, I'm thinking of a particular brother right now. And yet I won't embarrass him by using his name or giving his location because he represents many others of you so faithful in their support without us, you know, sending out letters and asking and everything all the time. No, none of that, none of that. And I sit here sometimes and I'm amazed, none of that. It is simply the working of the Lord. And therefore your response is a greater blessing to us than it was if it was a result of something I had to try to get out of you by other ways and means. That isn't what we're doing anyway. I just want you to know, folks, how much we appreciate you helping us to do what you see us doing right now. Well, you're, you're, you're not giving to the status quo. You're not giving so we can uh, function here locally, though we do function here locally, but you're, you're giving beyond that. Because our whole purpose of functioning here locally is to reach out beyond ourselves, and that's what we're doing. That's what, that's what this is all about that you're now watching. And then reaching on beyond you. And just the preciousness of you helping us do that. To reach out throughout the body of Jesus Christ and around the world. And we thank you for it. May the Lord richly bless you. And Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you. And I trust I trust that the true blessings of the Lord in Christ Jesus will be the very theme of your heart and your recognition during this Christmas time. And that while we share with one another physically and, and, and uh, gifts and whatnot much more we share with one another the gift of God, the very Spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ. So when we say Merry Christmas, it goes beyond, it goes, you know, beyond the natural. And when I say a Happy New Year, it goes right into the reality of another creation altogether. A new creation in Christ where there is in truth but one eternal day of whom Christ is the life and the light. The Lord bless. Looking forward to seeing you again. Amen.